From the CPRI Knowledge Hub and CPRIHub.org, this is Research Minutes, a deep dive into new and important research in the realm of education. I'm Michelle Goodwin. Today, we look at the current state of early childhood education, where teachers and administrators are struggling to balance traditional child development with increasing demand for standards-based curriculum. It's a, a culture clash where you have early childhood people who are used to thinking about fine motor and gross motor skills, language development, coming up against tests of phonemic awareness and a need for children to be on pace to read by the end of kindergarten. So those two things bump up against each other in ways that are are challenging. We welcome University of Wisconsin-Madison researcher Elizabeth Grau, whose new study examines a range of school districts in both New Jersey and Wisconsin and attempts to identify what guides today's pre-K programs. The story of pre-K is also the story of kindergarten. Rather than seeing it as an introduction to school, kind of a soft launch, more and more it's seen as input control, where you want to make sure that you have children that are at the right level to be able to launch in kindergarten, not just softly start. Listen as Grouse sits down with CPRI Research Director Jonathan Sapovitz to discuss her findings about this changing pre-K landscape. Beth, I've been reading your article about what guides pre-K programs that came out in August 2018 in Teachers College Record. And you've got a list of co-authors that I want to acknowledge. Sharon Ryan from Bank Street College, Bethany Wilinski from Michigan State University, Caitlin Northey from Rutgers, and Amato Nocera, who is also with you at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And you all did a fascinating study that looked at what I think of as the dilemma of pre-K educators to try and teach developmentally appropriate content and and use developmentally appropriate teaching methods and also the challenge that they face in trying to meet external standards that have been increasingly introduced in different states in pre-K. So can you tell us a little bit more about this dilemma that you explored in your article? We started out the article, we note that Early childhood teachers have always done things a little bit differently than their elementary colleagues. They tend to think much more, they think developmentally, they think in terms of child developmental areas rather than content. And recent years have focused more and more on the development of standards for early childhood. And developmentally appropriate practices were some of the first standards that were professional standards for teaching and learning birth to age eight. So those are the kind of child-centered, teacher-responsive approaches in early childhood. In the early 2000s, there was a development of early learning standards, which were for the most part developmental in their orientation. And even Wisconsin is still using developmental standards that are organized by developmental area and much more kind of guidelines for what you would hope teachers would be working towards rather than mandate for content coverage by the end of a, an age or grade. That has come up back against the standards-based accountability type of work that has tried to, to pace instruction so that children would hit certain benchmarks by some critical grade. Like in early childhood, it's typically reading on age level by third grade. And it's been hyped up a little bit with the Common Core State Standards, where they have backmapped from college and career ready each grade for what kind of content you'd want kids to experience into kindergarten. And 
in a, in a way that it's a, a culture clash where you have early childhood people who are used to thinking about fine motor and gross motor skills, language development, coming up against tests of phonemic awareness and a need for children to be on pace to read by the end of kindergarten. So those two things bump up against each other um, in ways that are, are challenging. Let's pretend that, that I'm an early childhood teacher and what might I be doing differently if I was focusing on developmentally appropriate instruction versus what would I be doing if I was really focused on making sure that my kids were reaching certain standards or expectations? How different would that look? The day gets segmented differently, usually. If you're working from a developmentally appropriate approach, you might have areas in the room set up to facilitate different kinds of development. So you might have a reading and writing center that just allows kids to explore books and developing written language. It's very much exploratory. A teacher might go there to support kids, but it's not a focus. They might have a fine motor area. Kids are playing with Play-Doh, moving, you know, working their hands. In a more standards-based approach, they tend to be, there tends to be more of a focus on the content coverage. You'll have a literacy time, number of minutes of literacy that you're supposed to accomplish during a day. And so the day, the day tends to be segmented in that way rather than in a developmental way. So it influences both how I would organize my classroom and also how I would organize the allocation of activities to time. Right. And the other difference, a developmental ap approach tends to talk a lot about process, how a teacher does something the mode of instruction, and a standards-based approach that's looking more toward academic content is looking at the content of instruction and what's to be taught and learned. That's an important distinction. You picked two states, New Jersey and Wisconsin, and I like the way that you contrasted these two states, and both had mature pre-K programs, but they really had different approaches to pre-kindergarten. New Jersey was much more targeted and, high, and had highly regulated programs that focused on high needs districts. So they were really focusing on a particular subset of districts. Right. Whereas Wisconsin had a statewide approach and there was much more local autonomy. How did you see this issue of developmentally appropriate instruction versus standards-based instruction playing out similarly or differently in these two very different state contexts? We were trying to play with the idea that there are different conceptions of what quality is, and it's embedded in how you think you get quality. Um, so New Jersey takes um, a choose attributes of quality that you think are related to um, good outcomes for children, and you mandate those, but then you also support them in ways that um, require much, you have much more money going into the programming. So you have things like you pay the pre-K teachers the same that you pay the elementary teachers, um, or you pay pre-K teachers in childcare centers the same as you pay pre-K teachers in elementary schools, which doesn't happen in a lot of places. You have capacity building built into every layer of the program by having early learning supervisors and um, administrators who provide support to ensure that quality is high. 
it's a way to make sure that things are in place that you want to have in place. And because of that, we had this nicely structured program that put a lot of supports into it. So it limited class size to 15 children or less. You had one certified teacher plus an aide in every classroom. You had to have a certain amount of outside playtime. You had to use an approved curriculum that was evidence-based. So all of those pieces together argued that you get equity by enhancing quality through meeting program standards, okay? Mm. Wisconsin, on the other hand, is at its heart a local control state, and it feels very strongly at every level that you don't, that local communities understand how to best design and implement their programs. And so the the programs in Wisconsin have very few requirements. I think it's like six different requirements, including the number of hours the children have to be in class, that they have to get transportation, that the teacher is appropriately certified. I can't remember what the other ones are, but they're they're minimal, assuming that you would then have schools and districts that would put together a program that meets their community's need. So there's this very open feeling to the program. On the other other side of that is that they don't have the kind of program standards that are thought to enhance quality at an early childhood research perspective. So again, teachers don't get paid the same across different settings. There isn't a class size regulation in 4K. So you can have very large classes of four-year-olds with a single teacher. There isn't a required curriculum and only one required assessment, which was a literacy screener. In the um, Teachers College Record article, there's some really, really interesting statements by some of the administrators and some of the teachers about how this is impacting their experiences. And so you have this wonderful passage from a Wisconsin superintendent who really talks about how this emphasis on content standards is really pushing things down into the curriculum. And let me just read this and then maybe you can elaborate on it because I think it's such a a wonderful illustration of how developmentally appropriate and standards are really conflicting with each other in some ways. The superintendent says, we are moving things down in our curriculum. We're going to have to move more. And when the teachers see the scores, they're going to have an even more graphic and visual example of what we're saying here, it's a different standard. I think one of the hardest things to overcome in this sense is that, well, but kindergarten's supposed to be this, but not anymore. We can't afford for kindergarten to be colors and counting to 10 and memorizing ABCs. It can't just be that. So what is that superintendent saying? Well, that superintendent is illustrating that the story of pre-K is also the story of kindergarten. Because what is happening in kindergarten is like an eclipse or a shadow that then has people thinking differently about how we utilize a pre-K experience. So rather than seeing it as an introduction to school, kind of a soft launch, more and more it's seen as input control, where you want to make sure that you have children that are at the right level to be able to launch in kindergarten, not just softly start. That was pervasive in the discussions, both by teachers and by administrators, feeling this pressure that we need to start rethinking how we do pre-K 
And the other piece is that out of the accountability period, the idea of alignment and coherence was starting to be thought of as something you would use in 4K so that district folks worried about having what they called off-site 4K programs because they they couldn't control them. They couldn't make sure they had great teachers. So they didn't trust what was happening. So there was this undercurrent that not only did we need to change 5K. Can you just clarify 4K and 5K mean? 5K is full-time kindergarten. 4K is a state-funded half-day program for four-year-olds. The Wisconsin Constitution has education for four-year-olds in it, but it wasn't developed into a program fully until about the 1980s. And in New Jersey, students start in? They have have full-time three- and four-year-old programs. Just in the at-risk districts or? In terms of New Jersey, there's another very salient statement by a teacher named Celia, who really talks about trying to navigate both of these expectations. And so she says, we follow the same policies as in the public schools, plus the Head Start policies, and we have to adhere to both. So it makes it (laughs) difficult. The kids, they don't notice anything. It's the same to them, but it's stressful for us because they contradict each other. Mm-hmm. So so how did how did she see this contradiction and did a lot of the teachers who you talked to view these two approaches as contradictory? I don't know if they always if across the board teachers felt that they were contradictory. Many of them had double multiple masters that they had to respond to. And that came up in districts that had programs that were allowed in schools Head Start, or in a child care center. The pre-K programs in schools tended to have fewer competing or duplicative demands on them because they didn't have other auspices trying to, to lead them. For teachers in community sites and child care centers, they often had kind of child care certification or licensure demands that they had to to do things with for documenting how many children, how many adults, how much hand washing. And then they had reporting they had to do for the school district because the funding would go from the state to the school district to a child care center. And then they had their own child care center things they had to do. Head Start has a whole set of standards and reporting demands and requirements that don't always match with either the district or the state requirement. In New Jersey, they had this full set of state things they they were dealing with, plus the Head Start stuff, which tends to be more compliance-oriented. And so they were constantly having to make sense of what what report do I need to do when? When would the same information count for both reports? So it was kind of like the, almost the, the healthcare documentation debacle. It strikes me as we're talking that a lot of what you see is kind of a layering of yes. these two approaches as opposed yes. to an integrating. Exactly. Well, I think one of the challenges is that in these systems, you're bringing together different institutions trying to collaborate with an inability to collaborate in reporting, to collaborate in curriculum development, 
because everybody wants to hold on to their own stuff because that represents who they are. I mean, particularly in Wisconsin, you have different state departments that have influence on these programs and people in different state buildings don't really talk to each other because they have different purposes. One of the things that is so striking to me is that this thing that you've really called attention to, this tension between teachers responding developmentally versus trying to meet an expectation of a standard, is that this really happens all up and down the education system. And whether I go to a to an elementary school or a secondary school, teachers are really struggling with this issue. And I think that in this day and age with the ubiquity of standards, that standards get all the attention. Right. But in early childhood, you're really bringing out something that is less apparent but equally challenging for right. teachers. I hope that's what we did. And I think one of the reasons we did the study was most of the research we were seeing on pre-K was quantitative work that was looking at outcomes. And it might be outcomes arrayed by program type or outcomes arrayed by curricula. And we kept thinking there were other stories that needed to be told. And I think you're right that it is a story. There's a challenge across the grade levels of figuring out how you're able to ensure that all kids have access to high quality content and that they are supported in that content acquisition to move them along so that they can succeed. But at the same time, taking a more developmental approach that focuses on things like process and developmental domains so that you can ensure an, an integrated view of a kid and an integrated view of the instructional interactions that can occur. So. I keep thinking we need something that's more like a hybrid. That's a hybrid of kind of a developmental approach with a rich content focus, with a lot of support for teachers to learn how to do both kinds of support, developmental support and content support. This might be a forerunner for where standards start to evolve to. I, know, I certainly know that the math standards Mm -hmm. um, are thinking about what the research says about how kids develop their understanding in right. particular content areas. And so hopefully the synthesis will move down into early childhood. What are some of the implications of this for professional development directors in districts as they consider how to support teachers? One, we need to take all the knowledge that we have about high quality professional development and actually implement it so that it's embedded in the day, that it's ongoing, that it's localized. And I think providing teachers with great examples of both kind of teaching and then think mm -hmm. about how to pull them together with local support that it's not just a one and done type of thing where you provide a way of teaching and then you just figure the, the teachers are going to pull themselves up and do it. Having things like coaching available so that you can help teachers get better and to help each other get better. I also think that there's a lot to be done helping administrators understand developmental approaches because they've certainly taken to heart a standards-based approach from an accountability perspective. And that's part of the reason that kindergarten has shifted so much is that they can't see a way to, to accomplish the content learning and still do the, the developmental stuff. And so helping principals in particular understand that there are multiple ways to help kids learn, that the standards 
focus on the content, not the mode of instruction. And so we ought to be able to create spaces for teachers to do things like play-based pedagogy that has rich opportunities for learning, math, literacy, science, social studies. The implications of this really do speak to both administrative and capacity support for teachers yes. to navigate this this increasingly challenging thing. We think about early childhood and pre-K as a time for children to socialize and to to explore, but you know, we're increasingly putting pressure on teachers and on administrators. And so I think you really highlighted some important things. It's been a pleasure speaking with Beth Grau, who, along with colleagues, just published a new article in Teachers College Record called What Guides Pre-K Programs. And I really encourage folks to check this out because it really speaks to one of the quintessential challenges that teachers face. Beth, it was wonderful to talk to you. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for listening to Research Minutes, presented by CPRE Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe, visit us at cprehub.org. That's C-P-R-E-Hub.org. To share your thoughts on today's episode or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at CPreHub. We look forward to you joining the conversation.